Have you been searching for a word from the Lord? You want to feel his presence. You want to feel his love. Well, look no further, cause no matter who you are, you're all welcome here at Rising as we continue our series of messages on the six purposes of the church. Acts, the 17th chapter, verses 16 through 34, reading from the NIV, you'll find these words recorded. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this Babel trying to say? Others remarked, he seemed to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to the meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You're bringing some strange ideals to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideals. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown gods. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands. And if he needeth anything, rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth 
And he marked it out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Amongst them were... Dionysius, a member of the Arachipus, also a woman named Demarius, and a member or a, and a number of others, okay, and a number of others. Let's bow for a word of prayer. We want to talk about how to share the unknown God to a lost world, how to share the unknown God to a lost world. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, we come thanking you for another day. God, we come thanking you for life, health, and strength. God, we want to thank you how you brought us safely through another week, oh dear God, and how you continue to provide for us and how you continue to make a way for us, oh dear God. God, we want to thank you that you gave us a mindset to come to the house a prayer on today. God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for the Zion songs that we've heard. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. God, we thank you for the scriptures that have been read, oh dear God. God, we pray now as we come to your preach word, I pray that you let your man servant down deep into the storehouse of your wisdom, your knowledge, and your power. And amen, oh dear God, that I might be able to bring a word to these your people. God, I pray that I would decrease. I pray that you might increase. God, I pray that you have your way in our midst on today, oh dear God. And God, may you be glorified in all that we say and do. And Lord, we'll be careful to give your name all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. For this we pray in the marvelous, massive, majestic name of Jesus, our Messiah, and all the people of God said, amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. God in three persons. God in three persons, blessed The sermon outline is available if you want to scan that QR code. You can get the sermon outline. And anytime I preach a message and you want more information about the message, just simply shoot me an email. I'll send you a portion of my manuscript if you want to get a certain uh, story or a certain chart or whatever the case may be, because it's my job to help you to understand the Word of God. Amen. It's my job to make it plain for you. But this passage of Scripture is a challenge to preach, amen, in this day and time, because most people that come to church we want a sermonette. Amen. It's almost like drive-through church. We want a quick happy meal. We want something real quick, amen, that we can digest, amen, and take off. In fact, if you preach longer than 30 minutes in the average church, you will kill them. And the problem is that because we don't understand doctrine as Christians, we have a very shallow faith. And therefore, when the cults come along, 
And when we face trials and tribulation and persecution, many of us can't stand. We fall away because we don't have deep roots. We have a very surface faith, a very shallow faith. It's on the surface. Somebody said Christianity is a mile wide, but it's just an inch deep. And that's because we are impatient with uh, really getting deep into the word of God and breaking it down. Amen. And and even in our Bible study, if we ain't got a lot of games and, and, and cookies and cakes and all of that, people won't come to that. It's I'm just saying that we need to be anchored and rooted in the word of God. Now, we've been talking about the six purposes of the church. We said that the first purpose of the church is fellowship. Okay. We, we fellowship in the Greek is the Greek word koinonia, and it means partnership. We're in partnership with God, okay? When we are in partnership with one another. So when we talk about fellowshipping, it means more than having a, a chicken dinner. It means more than that. It means that we are sharing the same life. The word koinonia is, is the word in which we get our English word community and communication. Are you with me? So we are in fellowship with God, and we're supposed to be in fellowship with one another. And that's why it's a foreign concept, and somebody shared on my Facebook page that I, I got it good with God, I just don't go to church. Well, that's faulty thinking, because the church is the bride of Christ. Christ loved the church so much that he died for the church and he's the head of the church and he's coming back for the church and he said upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it so you cannot be pro-Christ and anti-church that's just like saying I love Pastor Lewis but I can't stand Sister Lewis well baby we come as a pair we are one when you get married you become one don't be talking about I love you pastor but I don't like your wife are you crazy So it is a foreign concept to the Bible to say that you love Christ and can't stand the church. Now, you might have some issue with a local church, but you cannot say, I cannot stand the church, the universal church, the body of Christ, because it is the bride of Christ. So the first thing is fellowship, and people need to get connected to a church. It's all right to shop around and pray, but at some point, you need to land and become a part of a church family. You need to sign on the dotted line. It's just like dating forever. Come on, somebody. At some point, you need to stop dating. You need to make a commitment and sign on the dotted line. Give me your name. Give me access to your finances. Come on, somebody. I want access to everything. I don't want to be your boyfriend forever. I don't want to be your girlfriend forever. If you love me, put a ring on it. All right. So we need to make a commitment at some point. When we talk about membership, fellowship, the next one is maturity, discipleship. So it's not just enough to know Christ. The next step is God said you got to grow in Christ. So you don't want to be a spiritual baby forever. Desire the sincere milk of the word so that you might be able to grow there. My, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said to the disciples, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free or set you free. Are you with me? So you got to know Christ and then you got to grow in Christ. And the next one is you should do something for Christ because it's not enough to come to a service to a Bible study to sit soak and sour 
We are saved to serve. Every born-again believer should have some type of ministry doing something. Let me say that again. Every born-again believer should have a ministry doing something, whether it's in the church or outside the church. You have been called by God to do something. You have an assignment. And I don't care how successful it appears on the outside that you think you are. You may have degrees. You may have money. You may live in a big house, drive a nice car, and all this other stuff. If you are not fulfilling your God-given assignment, you are a loser and a failure in life. The Bible said, what shall it profit a man? He should gain the whole world and lose his soul. Now watch this. Once you get saved, you ain't got to worry about your soul, but the Bible talks about we're going to get rewards when we get to heaven. Everybody got to stand before the judgment seat of God, the beamer. The beamer in the Greek means that you will stand before the judge and you will receive your reward based on your performance in the competition. So God is going to hand out rewards. We don't work uh, to get saved. We work because we are saved. All right? So... I said that the last time, get in where you fit in. So God has a job for you to do, and can't nobody do it quite like you. All right, today, missions, evangelism. The reason why churches die is because Christians develop an acute case of lockjaw. Laryngitis. We, we stop talking about our faith. We start sharing with people how God saved us and how he raised us and how he picked us up and turned us around and placed our feet on solid ground. How he brought us out of the darkness into the marvelous light. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Somebody needs to hear your testimony. You have not always been where you are now. Somebody's out there in darkness, and you need to be the light to help them to find their way out of darkness. You need to open your mouth and tell somebody that God saved me. God did that. The Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Jesus told his disciples, you're not ready to go out there and win the world yet. He said, stop by Jerusalem and, and, and go to the upper room and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he didn't say, and you shall fall out. And speak in tongues. And nothing wrong with that. Help yourself. But he said, you shall be what? My witnesses. I'm giving you power. I'm anointing you so you can open your mouth and tell somebody that I died on a Friday but got up early one Sunday morning that I gave my life to Christ and Christ changed my life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I gave you power boldness to be a witness for me so that you can go and fulfill the great commission as we come to our text Paul is going to help us with something but before we do that let me just remind you of this because we got visitors at Rising Star we're growing warmer through fellowship you ever been in a cold church did nobody speak to you did nobody smile? Folks look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. <laughs> the chosen, frozen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, I mean, I wouldn't go to a church where there was no joy in it. Come on, somebody. I'd rather go to a club. Come on, somebody. To go to a dead church. I, I don't know about you, but when I was unsaved, I wouldn't even go to no dead club. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to spend my money and drink my liquor and y'all be up here dead. Y'all ain't got no good DJ up in here. You ain't got no good dance floor. Y'all ain't playing no good music. Come on, somebody. I got to get up out of here. I'll call my friends and what's happening across town? What's happening out of town? I'm not going to spend my money, go through all the trouble and get ready and go to a dead club. I ain't spending my money to go to no dead concert either. And now that I'm saying you think I'm going to park at a dead church every Sunday, somebody got to praise God. Somebody got to open their mouth. Praise over here. Praise over there. Praise everywhere. Come on. All right. All right. So we're growing warmer through fellowship, deeper through discipleship, broader through ministry, larger through evangelism, stronger through worship, and healthier and wealthier through stewardship. All right, as we come to our text, Paul is on Mars Hill with the Athenians philosophers, okay? These philosophers, they were in a place called Athens, okay? And Paul is here with these philosophers. While there, Paul is waiting on his partners. He's waiting on Timothy and Silas, okay? They're on this missionary journey, second missionary journey. They were in uh, Thessalonica, preaching to the Thessalonians, okay, and they stirred up a mob, they ran them out of Thessalonica, so they end up in Berea, Paul preached to the Bereans, okay, got another mob and ran Paul out of town, so they said, Paul, you know what, you're gangster for God, they trying to kill you, how do you know when you're the leader, they don't go for the peons, they go for the leader, Paul was the Paul was the apostle, so they were after Paul. So, so, so they took Paul and said, Paul, we're gonna take you to a safe place. We're gonna take you to Athens. Now you stay here and we'll catch up with you later. So that's how he got there. So he's waiting for them, okay? So while Paul there, he's gonna tell these unbelievers about the unknown God. First of all, I want you to see the burden of Paul. The burden of Paul. The burden of Paul. Now watch this. Evangelism starts with a burden. It starts with a concern. It starts with a passion. Because I know God and how good God is to me. I want you to know God and I want God to be good to you. The psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed, happy, prosperous, fortunate is the man or the woman or the person that put their trust in God. This thing is too good to keep it to myself. Anybody ever run up on a good sale and you just had to call your friends? You ever got a good deal somewhere and you couldn't wait to get back to call your friends and tell your friends about it? Well, once you found Jesus, you ought to get on the phone, call somebody up and tell them about Jesus. So it starts with a burden. It starts with passion. Uh, let's look at the text here. Because the Bible says, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. In fact, the, the parable of the 100 sheep tells us that the shepherd lost one, and he was burdened, and he was grieved. And the Bible says the shepherd left 99 in the pen and searched day and night until he found the one. That's how concerned God is about one lost soul. 
because he's not willing that any should perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will leave in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now here we see uh, the identity, their identity, the people here that Paul ran into. While Paul was waiting for them at Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Just in case you don't know it, our world is full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue, these are the believers with the Jews, okay, and the God-fearing Greeks, okay, these are proselytes. These are Gentiles who had converted to Judaism, okay, so they're there with the Jews, and they're in the synagogue, okay, as well as in the marketplace. Now watch this, Paul did not limit his ministry to the synagogue. Look at the text. It said, he talked to the ones in the synagogue. He reasoned with them, the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. Now watch this. In the Great Commission, it says, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. Watch this. The word go in the Greek means as you are going. Which means as you're going throughout your daily lives, as you're going to work, as you're going to the mall, as you're going to get your nails done, get your hair done, get your car repaired, as you are going throughout life, you're supposed to be a witness. This is not talking about we're going to meet on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock and we're going to pass out flyers in the community. That's not evangelism. No, the, the great commission is as you are going, which means that evangelism is a lifestyle. It's not something you do on Friday or Saturday at 10 o'clock. It means that every day of my life, I'm supposed to be salt and light. And anytime I find a sinner, someone who doesn't know God, I'm supposed to drop some salt on them. I find somebody in darkness, I'm supposed to turn my light. That's supposed to be my lifestyle. Watch this. It's easy to be a Christian in here on Sunday morning. And some of y'all still scared to say amen. Amen. Watch this. So watch this. So in the synagogue, in the church, in the marketplace, outside the church, Paul expounded, expostulated on the word. A group of Epurean and Stoic philosopher began to dispute with him because you always run into those great philosophers out there. So first of all, let's talk about these two groups. Let's look at the chart here real quick. Okay, so you got these two groups, uh, philosophers, the Epicureans, Epicureans, and the Stoics. I get ready to say the Socrates. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm thinking about Socrates. Y'all know Socrates, right? right. Who, who mentored Plato, and Plato mentored Aristotle. Okay, all right, so, okay, we're tracking. Okay, so you see that Epicurus founded this particular movement of philosophy, okay? They were focused on materialism, okay? It was all about things, possessions. And you got a lot of people, including Christian people, who are very materialistic, Watch this. In the body of Christ, some people got the audacity to try to measure people's spirituality by their portfolio. You can't measure my spirituality by the car I drive or the house I live in or the clothes that I wear. That has nothing to do with my spirituality because Bill Gates got more money than all of us. Warren Buffett got more money than all of us. Elon Musk got more money than all of us. And not one of them say they are Christians. 
Don't you ever try to measure someone's spirituality by their bank account or by what they drive. That's stupid. That's not even silly. That's just stupid. Stuck on stupid. Watch this. So, so what I'm saying is you got a lot of people in the body of Christ who are very materialistic. They are not spiritual at all. They are very materialistic. And when it comes to material things, they don't care about God. God's come second. Because I'm going to make sure, watch this. I might not pay my tithes, but I'm going to make sure I got a big, nice house. I might not pay my tithes, but I'm going to have a big, nice car. I might not pay my tithes, but I'm going to wear designer clothes. Watch this. And some of y'all will pay your club dues before you put any money in the church. Some of y'all will drop what's going on at church to get to your little clubs. I might not fill up the church, but I'm about to empty it out this morning. <laughs> and God told me to tell you, that's adultery. That's being materialistic. The Bible said a man's life consists of not in the abundance of things in which he possesses. God is not into the quantity of life. God is into the quality of life. And the quality of your life is not measured by your stuff. The quality of your life is measured by your relationships. Your relationship to God and your relationship to everybody else. And I don't care what you have. If you don't have no relationship with God and can't get along with people, you're still a loser. All right. Okay, come on back to the chart. Okay, so these people, emotional, heart people, nothing wrong with that. Feelings. They didn't believe in life after death. That's why they said get all the gusto you can get now. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. See, when you have a materialistic mindset, you're not thinking about eternity. You're not thinking about spiritual things. You're trying to get all the gusto you can get out of this life because you believe the grave is it. And most people that you see, they think the grave is it. And they're trying to take it with them. Some people even got their dash to try to get the U-Haul to go to the graveyard. How many of you know it's not going to stay in the graveyard? Yeah. Amen. That's why we have grave robbers. Some of them will rob you while you're still in the funeral home. Soon everybody leave. Do you really think they're putting all that, all that gold and diamonds and rubies in the ground? See Jack run with the big red ball. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So then we got this other group here, the Stoics. Zeno, the philosopher there, the founder of that particular uh, uh, school of thought, okay, they were pantheistic, okay? God is in everything. He's, watch this. Let me go to this side. I'm, I'm, I don't want, want y'all to think I'm picking on y'all. Watch this. Watch this. These, watch this. These are the people that you hear saying crazy stuff like, I pray to the universe. The great spirit in the universe. And, and, and in other words, rather than praying to the God who created the universe, these folks are praying to the universe. Well, let me help you something here this morning. The universe can't help you. Do you think praying to the sun going to help you? Praying to the moon going to help you? Praying to the stars going to help you? They can't help you. Watch this. That's why I don't deal with horoscopes. You as a Christian, you ain't got no business reading no horoscope. If you want to know your future, read the Bible. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct thy path. 
Can you say nothing about no horoscope? Come on. I'm a Sagittarius. What you? I'm a Pisces. Both of you crazy. Just tell them I'm a Christian. The end. That's it. The end. I don't need no Ouija board. Come on, somebody. I don't need nobody reading my poems. Come on, somebody. I don't need no tarot cards. Come on, somebody. I don't need to visit no witch doctors. I don't need nobody to fix no potions. I don't need no rabbit foot. Come on, somebody. If the rabbit lost his foot, he ain't no help you, baby. Come on. All right, let's get back to the chart. So you got the heart people, you got the head people, the logical people, the emotional people, the, the feeling people, the thinking people. Okay, now, the uh, Stoics, they believe in life and death, uh, life after death. They just didn't believe it's going to exist in the body because they considered the body to be evil, okay, and really was a hindrance to the life that they wanted to live. If I can just get out of this body, you know what I'm saying? I can part it like it's 1999. Okay. Okay, so, so in, in a nutshell, Epicureans, they believe that you're supposed to just enjoy life. That's it. Live it to the fullest. Because eat, drink, and marry, because tomorrow we're going to die. Stoics, they believe that you had to endure life. And I'm here to tell you as a Christian, you need to embrace life. Amen. Enjoy life, endure life, amen. You got to take all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, amen. That's real life. Anybody always trying to pretend like everything is always well, and they always positive, and they always up, and they have no problem? You living a lie. Come on, somebody. I said you living a lie. Ain't nobody happy all the time. Come on, somebody. Don't, nobody gets it right all the time. Nobody feels good all the time. Nobody is right all the time. That's why the songwriter said, I had some good days and I had some bad days. Come on, somebody. I had some hills to climb. But when I look around and when I think things over, come on, somebody. Come on. He said, I'm not going to complain. Why? Because God's been good to me. Even during my bad days, even when I fell down, even when I was broke, busted, and disgusted, God was still good to me. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. That's why the Bible said, I give thanks at all things. Thank you, Lord. My money is funny, but thank you, Lord. My health is not that great, but thank you, Lord. My children are tripping, but thank you, Lord. My spouse is acting the food, but thank you, Lord. They acting crazy on my job, but thank you, Lord. The weather's not good, but thank you, Lord. My car broke down, but thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but listen to me. I don't, I don't like dealing with fake people. Come on, somebody. I'd rather you be real and have problems I can deal with you. Come on, somebody. I can deal with anybody that's real. I don't care how many problems you have. If you're a real baby, I can deal. I just can't deal with plastic, fake people. Those people are dangerous. All right, all right. Here we go. Their identity, the next thing, their insult. Some of them said, what is this babbler? Here we go again with them Jesus freaks. He seemed to be advocating the foreign God or the foreign gods. They said because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. This was foreign to them. Some of the philosophers in Athens mocked Paul, calling him in the Greek. It literally means seed picker, a gutter sparrow. 
a small bird that snatches up scraps of food. Paul was being accused of grabbing bits and pieces of knowledge without fully digesting it or thinking through what he was teaching. Because Paul did not speak eloquently, 1 Corinthians 2.1. Paul was not, contrary to what a lot of us think, Paul was not no great speaker. Okay? Read, read the Bible. Paul was not a great speaker. Paul was a profound writer, but he was not a great public speaker. The great public speaker in the Bible was Apollos. <clears throat> okay, that's another sermon for another day. <clears throat> but watch this. So some of the philosophers, after hearing Paul speak in Athens, they concluded that he's not that sophisticated. He's not that deep. Therefore, they ridiculed him and did not take him seriously. In other words, they accused Paul of being a pseudo-intellectual who was spouting off head-baked ideals that he got from other people. So it was an insult. And I'll tell you about Paul's background here in a minute. So that's the insult. And here, let me just say this. When you go out there and you take a bold stand for God, watch this. This is going to mess some of y'all up. When you live a holy, totally committed life to God, not only will unsaved people mock you, you got a lot of saved people that will criticize you for your commitment to holiness and your dedication to God. And they'll tell you stuff like, it doesn't take all that. Watch this. Let me just help you with that. No, it doesn't take all debt to get to heaven because getting saved will get you to heaven. But Paul said there are some special works that only those who have set themselves aside that qualify for special duty assignments. When I was in the military, everybody got orders as long as you kept your nose clean. But in order to get a special duty assignment, you have to have special ratings and you have to have taken special courses and courses in college as well and keep your nose clean as well. You had to be above the rest. You had to be exceptional to get a special duty assignment. So if you're happy with what you're doing, fine. God said, but if you want to qualify for a special duty assignment, it takes a special level of commitment. You can't do what everybody else do and go where everybody else go. Come on, somebody, and act like everybody else. If you want a special duty assignment, if you want an ordinary assignment, keep on being ordinary. But you want to do something extraordinary for God, it requires special commitment. Watch this. Let me just drop this while I'm passing by. It's a sin to be good if God called you to be great. Watch this. So, the invitation. Then they took him and brought him into the meeting of the Areopagus, where they said... May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You're bringing some strange ideals to our ear, Paul. We ain't never heard nothing like this. What are you talking about? So this was a, a board of education, so to speak. It was like a think tank. It was an idea clearinghouse. Hundreds of years earlier in classical Greece, the Areopagus served as the chief judicial body of Athens. Under the Roman government, it still maintained the pulse of the Athenian uh, people when it came to things like education and religion. 
Okay, now they could not convict Paul of any crime. They just wanted to hear his theology. Okay, so it was a council who who were responsible for the religious and educational matters in Athens. Okay, so they gave him an invitation. Come on up here, Paul, and drop some theology on us. Okay, now we also we see their idleness. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideals. Now, let me help you with this, especially as we have cell groups and different things. You ever met somebody who just loved to hear themselves talk? It's hard to have them in a Bible study, cell group, or anything because they would just take over. Come on, somebody. They may not be the teacher. They would just take over and talk about a whole lot of nothing because they just like to hear themselves talk. Watch this. And the thing I've learned as a Christian, folks who talk a lot, they don't do a lot. Okay. In the country, they said, an empty wagon makes a whole lot of noise. See, when you don't live nothing and you're not doing anything, you got to say a whole lot to hold up a smoke screen to convince everybody that you're somebody. But when you live right and you're doing what you're supposed to do, your life will speak for you. That's why you ain't got to never worry about nobody telling no lies on you or spreading rumors about you. Your life will speak for you. Okay, now, philosophy for my intellectuals, academians. Watch this. Now, watch this. And I, I'm not talking about nobody. I'm just talking about it, so let me talk. Now, watch this. I'm saying, watch this. I'm saying we live in a day and time where people try to measure a person's worth, spirituality, and so many other things based on their education. Watch this. Just because you have education does not mean you have wisdom. Let's not get it twisted. Education means that I have knowledge about some stuff. Watch this. And real education makes you humble. If you find someone who calls themselves educated and arrogant, you just found an educated fool. Because the more educated you become, the more you realize you don't know. And because you realize you don't know everything, it makes you humble and keeps you teachable. That's why the Bible said God rejects the proud, but he gives his grace to the humble. Watch this. When Jesus started his ministry, he did not go to the local seminary to find some disciples. Didn't go to the synagogues to find some disciples. Didn't go to the temple to find some disciples. Sometimes we know too much for God to use us because we think we got more sense than God. God said, but if I can find some empty vessels, some humble vessels, some folks who don't know all the answers and willing to sit at my feet and learn and follow me and commit themselves to me, I'll take these unlearned fishermen and tax collectors and turn their Roman empire upside down. Even when they heard them in the book of Acts, they said, these men are ignorant and unlearned men. Read your Bible. That's what they said about the disciples. After three years of being with Jesus, they said these men are ignorant and unlearned. But one thing we know, they talk like they've been with Jesus. <laughs> I, oh, I want to spend some time with Jesus because he can teach you some stuff they can't teach in school. All right, now let me get back to my sir. All right, all right, let me say this about philosophy, and I said it before. I'm just going to say it again. Remember I said philosophy 
is the science of learning more and more about less and less until finally you know everything about nothing. You ever hear some people up, they just be waxing eloquent like that erudite scholar and they just baffle you with their profanity because of their pontification? He wants to say, cut the crap. What are you trying to say? <laughs> what's it? What's it? So, so what's philosophy is about speculation. But God doesn't deal in speculation. God deals in revelation. Speculation is when you don't know. You're just like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that ain't in there. That's speculation. But God doesn't deal with speculation. God deals with revelation. God said, I'm not thinking about it. I know everything about everything. And I can tell you what you need to know. All right, let me hear up because I'm running out of time. All right, now, so, so, so we see Paul boldness the next thing. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. Uh, now, watch this. God can't use scared people. Paul told Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of timidity, of fear, but of power, love, and a psalm or self-discipline. Paul said, you can't be no punk and represent Jesus. You can't be scared and represent Jesus. You got to have some boldness. You got to have a backbone. We need some people to say, for God I live and for God I die. I'm going to do this if I have to do it by myself. Y'all remember that song, I'll go even if I have to go by myself. We need some more GFGs. We need some more gangsters for God. Don't you know Paul was a gangster? Don't you know he was arresting Christians and having Christians put to death and stuff that even when Paul got saved, they were still scared of him? Go read your Bible. They were scared of him. Barnabas had to go get him and bring him to the disciples. Even Ananias didn't even want to pray for him and put hands on him. God told Ananias, I want you to go and lay hands on Paul because I converted him on the Damascus Road. And, and Ananias said, say, what? <laughs> Not crazy. Paul, Paul is gangster. He'll kill me. Watch it. See, some of y'all think I'm making this. Okay, watch it. Watch it. Look at, look at when God used David. We're talking about a man after God on heart. David will kill you. <laughs> Look at Moses. Moses was running when God found him. He just killed somebody. So if you're a gangster, God can use you. You've been probably called for evangelism. Come on. You ain't scared of nobody. What you say? Put up your liquor. Put up that crack. You'll walk all in the crack house. Jesus told me to tell you, all y'all going to hell unless y'all repent. <laughs> Okay, come on. All right, so then we see Paul's observation here. Paul saw all this stuff going on, okay? So they were worshiping Athena. Athena, okay? Athena was the uh, female goddess that they worshiped. She was the goddess of wisdom, the goddess of war, and the goddess of futility, okay? Fertility, okay? It was renowned in the ancient world, talking about Athens for its philosophers and schools and uh, academies, okay? So it was some kind of place. Okay, they were special. 
And Paul said, I noticed that y'all are very religious. And how many of you know that you can be very religious but still lost? You can, you can be religious and still lost, just like Nicodemus. He was religious, but he was lost. Paul was religious, but he was lost. And then Paul said, I see that you guys got a, a, a thing here talking about the unknown God. Watch this. The Greeks, they had so many gods that they felt like they might skip a God, and they didn't want to offend no God. So they made sure they had an altar just in case they skipped one. <laughs> we don't know your name yet, so we're just going to call you the unknown God till we get to know you. So they didn't want to make no mistakes. Watch this. Other Greek writers confirmed that such altars did exist in Athens. Okay. The archaeological study Bible confirms that. Okay. So that's Paul observation. Then we see Paul revelation. Okay. Now, now what's, notice what Paul said. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. In other words, Paul said, y'all worshiping something, but you don't know what you're worshiping. Remember he told the woman at the well, she said, salvation is of the Jew. You Samaritan, y'all don't know what you worship. God is spirit and they that worship must worship him spirit and truth. So Paul is getting ready to enlighten them. Now, this is what I call evangelism 101. Paul did not accuse the Athenian hearers of something wrong, such as superstition. Rather, watch this. He complimented them. A wise approach for public speakers and opening remarks to an audience. The religious character of his hearers provided common ground as a basis for communicating the specific revelation of the gospel. Watch this. It is hard to be persuasive while being abrasive. Okay, so what I'm saying is when you're trying to reach people, give them honey and not vinegar. Okay, now there is a time where you need to have that confrontation style of witness with someone call it intervention. You know, somebody on the fast track to hell, they so close to hell, they smell like smoke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, they're spiraling down real fast. I'm saying you got to do an intervention with them. You just can't wait and spoon feed them. That's what I'm saying. There, there's a time for that. <clears throat> John C. Maxwell calls this the law of connection. How Paul brilliantly articulated this message showing that he understood the Greek culture and the Greek society and their philosophers. In other words, Paul was able to find common ground so that he could take them to higher ground. And if you try to communicate with people without finding common ground, you don't go to higher ground. You end up on the battleground. Are you with me? All right, so you got to be bold. The next thing, the background of Paul, the background of Paul. The Bible says he that went his soul got to be wise. You got to be wise in how you talk to people and how you handle people and how you share the gospel with people who are unsaved. And you also got to know you, you're not called to save everybody. Okay? Just, just understand that. You know, some, some people will plant the seed. Somebody else will water the seed. And God will come along and give the increase. So don't think it's your job to win everybody that's lost. Watch this. One of the things that helped me to be delivered as the pastor is to realize I ain't called everybody. Amen, somebody. What, 7 billion, 8 billion people on the planet? I'm just called to a handful of people. And there are certain people when you come here, you might be a visitor, you might have been coming for a while, say, I like that country, boy. He just give it to us straight. Come on, somebody. That's my kind of preacher. Go, Pastor Lewis. <laughs> Other people visit the church say, he crazy. I can't wait to the benediction. <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. And that's okay. You know why? Because you ain't assigned to me. 
Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Come on, somebody. And they follow me. Because you're at rising star, you got my scent on you. You hear my voice. My heart resonates with your heart. And you want to follow my leadership because you can identify with it. Why you think I tell people before you join a church, pray about it? Everybody can't handle me as a pastor. And everybody can't handle you as a member. Come on. Wrong pastor, wrong member. We're going to have fireworks. going to be like the 4th of July up in here. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, that was extra. But he that went his soul is why. All right. So, real quick, and, I, and I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. So, first of all, the greatness of God. That's what Paul pointed out to them. The greatness of God. He is our creator. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. Don't think you come to rise and star on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at 2800 East 36th Street to meet God. You have to bring God with you because he ain't in the building. He comes with you. So if you didn't bring him, come on, somebody, you're not going to find him. Amen. So, so Paul points out the greatness of God. He is our creator. Now watch this. Notice that Paul did not quote any scriptures to them. You know why? Because they didn't understand or didn't have knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures. So Paul gave them general revelation. Watch this. In this day and time when a lot of people don't believe that the Bible is the word of God anyway, or some white man wrote the book, it's best to give them general revelation. General revelation is external revelation, which is the creation. Creation is general revelation, external revelation. I don't care where you are, what language you speak or don't speak, whatever culture you're from, wherever you are on planet Earth, you got to have enough God in you, enough common sense in you to look at this magnificent creation and realize there's somebody bigger than you and I who made the mountains, who made the seas, who made the rivers that flows into the seas. Amen. Somebody bigger than you and and I, who sends the rain when the earth is dry? Somebody bigger than you and I. Who hung the moon? Who put the stars in their silver sockets? Who makes the stars to twinkle at night? Who causes the sun to rise in the east and set in the west? Come on, somebody. Who keeps the planet in order around the sun 365 days a year? Who tilted the earth so that we have four seasons during the year? Who makes sure that the earth is not too close to the sun that we burn up or not too far away from the sun that we freeze to death? Who fixed it that we breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide? Trees breathe out oxygen, but breathe in carbon dioxide. Uh, just the opposite. Who did all that? God did it. He says, so you ought to be able to look at creation and know that there's a God. Not only creation, but your conscience. That's internal revelation. That's why unsaved people can tell Christians, you know, they ain't right. Come on. Have you anybody ever experienced that? They may not know Genesis from Revelation. You do something stupid, they'll look at you as an unbeliever. They ain't right. I thought you said you're a Christian. Because they got a conscience. Amen. The bad when unsaved people live bad, and some people call themselves Christians. Okay, number two, the goodness of God. He is our provider. 
He's not serving human hands if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything. Okay? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from who? God, the Father of lights. Okay? The earth is the Lord and the fullness there. He is the provider. He makes sure that we have everything that we need. That's why God said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. Who can make an omelet big enough for me? Come on. What store do you go to to get a pizza for God? Come on. <laughs> and then the third one is the government of God. He is our ruler. And this is what Paul says that. Watch this. Not only he's in charge of creation, Paul says that he's in charge of nations. And he said out of one man's blood, Adam, he has created the whole human family. That's why when we, that ultimately we should say there's only really one race, and that's the human race. And scientists have proved, proven that mankind, looking at DNA, they have proven that we've all come from Africa from a black woman. Uh -oh. Didn't get no claps on that. Like, what? Uh -oh. <laughs> because you can only get all the other colors out of black. Come on, somebody. Do we need to have a science lesson today? Come on. Yeah, Eve, Mother Eve was a black woman in Africa. Civilization started in Africa and moved out from there. So we all come from Adam and Eve. Come on, somebody. God said, I'm in charge of the nation. That's why I made different races, because I like a rainbow. I don't want everybody black. I don't want everybody brown. I don't want everybody yellow. I don't want everybody white. Come on, somebody. God said, I like variety. Come on, somebody. That's what we got at Rise. We got variety. Come on, somebody. Neapolitan. <laughs> we like Baskin Robbins. We got 32 flavors up in here. What you say? Amen. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So, listen to me. I'm almost done. Watch this. As Christian. The Bible says, in all things, give thanks. The Bible says that, right? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In all things. All things. Now watch this. Then he says, all things work together for the good. To those who love the Lord. To those who have been called according to his purpose. Or purposes. Okay? Now watch this. Now I'm getting ready to say something heavy here. You might want to tweak this. Watch this. God declares... And God decrees what's going to be based on his sovereignty. Watch this. Sovereignty means that everything is under God's jurisdiction. Can't nothing transpire in the universe without God's permission. Even when Job, watch it, even when the devil wanted to mess with Job, he had to stop by heaven and get permission from God to mess with Job. Come on, somebody. Can't nothing come your way unless God authorizes it. And if God authorizes it, it's your mail. Because God declares and God decrees what's going to be based on his sovereignty, which was worked out in eternity. Watch it. Watch it. So watch it. God's sovereignty is not based on time. It's not based on events that are happening in your life. Watch it. God's sovereignty and God's declarations and decrees will work out in eternity. So what you see happening in time has already been set in motion in eternity. That's why he's the ruler and the super ruler. Can't nothing transpire on, heaven, on earth without his permission. 
the Bible says that a sparrow can't fall to the earth without God knowing about it. And then he said, the very hair on your head, they're all numbered, not counted, baby, numbered. Well, if you ain't got no hair, everything else numbered. <laughs> all right, watch this. Come on, watch this. So God declares and God decrees what's going to be based on his sovereignty, which was worked out in eternity. Therefore, we'll never move by our current reality because it won't stop us from getting to our destiny. Once you realize that God is in control of your life, can't no man, can't no woman, can't no boy, can't no girl, can't no government, can't nobody stop what God has decreed and declared for your life. They cannot stop your destiny. And God will use adversity to get you to your destiny. That's why I count it all joy when you find yourself going through all hell. When everybody seems like they turn against you. Come on, somebody. Count it all joy because it's all part of the process. Okay, I'm almost done. I'm going to have you out in a minute. I know this is a little heavy. Okay, so, so he quotes these uh, philosophers that he knew about. Now, let me just tell you this real quick about Paul's education, then I'll wrap it up. Paul was an intellectual. When God saved Paul, he did not, watch this, don't miss this. God did not give Paul the same assignment as he gave Peter. Peter was called to be an apostle to the Jews. Paul was saved and was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Because of Paul's unique background as being a Jewish scholar of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day, the son of a Pharisee, a Pharisee himself, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, a Hebrew scholar. Because of his Jewish background, but at the same time, he had a dual Roman citizenship. That's why his name was Saul, which was his Jewish name, and he had a name called Paul because that was his Gentile name. Because God said, I'm going to use you both for Jews and Gentiles. I got a special assignment for you. So God told him on the Damascus Road, this is going to be your assignment. That I'm going to call you to stand before queens and kings and to proclaim my name. So he had the right background, the right education to be in their midst. He was a heavyweight. He was an intellectual. Watch this. And not only that, his uh, Jewish background and Roman citizenship. But don't miss this. Read the book of Galatians. Watch this. Remember now, Paul didn't walk the earth with Jesus during his earthly ministry. A lot of people miss this. When Paul got saved, the Bible said he spent three years in the desert. In the Arabia Desert. Go back and read the book of Galatians. And that's why when Paul came on the scene, he said, I didn't learn this from the apostles. He said, but I received direct revelation from Jesus Christ. I spent three years out in the desert for God to input this into me. He downloaded this revelation in my spirit. And that's why he wrote 14 books in the New Testament, because he didn't get it secondhanded. He got it directly from God. God would allow you to go through isolation so that you can get his revelation for transformation. And the problem with some of y'all, you spend too much time with other people. Well, you can't hear from God. You always want to know what the peanut gallery is talking about. 
and miss God. And then the last one, the grace of God, he's our savior. Real quick, repentance. He said, you got to repent. Notice he preached the gospel. You can't sugarcoat this. In the past, God overlooked ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to what? Repent. You know what the 21st, church, 21st century church has changed the word repent to? Repeat. Repent means I have a change of mind that leads to a change in lifestyle. That's why I say if, if, watch this, if you're not living right, how you know you're saved? If you live just like all the people out there that are unsaved, how you know you saved? Continuation is proof of salvation. John said they went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, though they no doubt would have continued with us. But they went out from us that it might be manifest that they were not all with us. All right. Repentance, retribution. What do you mean retribution? For he has set a day when he would judge. Listen to me. He would judge. You can have the seeker sensitive services all you want. Make people feel comfortable with worldly music. Let them dress down. Talk all kind of slang, all kind of hip hop, whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, he's going to be the judge. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, don't believe the lies on the internet. That is a hell and people will go to hell. You know, that's a hard message to preach today. People don't believe, let me tell you why people don't believe in hell. Because people don't understand the holiness of God. See, what we have done, we have created a God in our image where we tell God what to do. And we tell God what we believe and what we don't believe. But that don't change the Bible. You can spend eternity one or two places in the presence of God in heaven or shut out from the presence of God in hell. A or B. But hell was never created for mankind, it was created for the devil and his angels. But God said, if you don't want to be with me, that's the only other choice, A or B. So, listen, notice what he says here. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want no justice. Anybody want justice? Not when I stand before God, I want grace. And mercy. Okay. What's this? He has given proof of this. To all men by raising them from the dead. What, what Paul is saying here, the fact that Jesus Christ was the son of God and died and was resurrected, God has given all authority to execute judgment. And he proved that Jesus was the son of God. He was both the son of man and the son of God. He proved it by the resurrection. And he's going to be the one standing or sitting on the throne that everybody got to stand before. He said he's given proof. The resurrection is proof that the gospel is true and that God is real. Take the resurrection from Christianity, go home and burn up your Bible. And then rejection. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. So when you share the gospel message, you tell them about the grace of God, the goodness of God, let people know they need to repent. And watch this. And if they don't repent, judgment's coming. Watch this. The Bible said God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But if you don't want heaven, think about it. You'll have no choice because God is, is too loving to send you. He's too loving and too just to send you to hell in an unloving and unjust fashion. It's your, it'll be your choice if you go there. So we see the rejection. Then we see the reception. 
we see that Dionysius and Damaris, both of them accepted Paul's message and they became followers. Dionysius, he was a very high-ranking official in Athens, okay? He was part of the Arabocopus, okay, this uh, ruling council. Watch this. He did not let his education, his title, or his position keep him out of the kingdom of God. Watch this. Listen to me. Don't become so important, so educated, so exalted in your own eyes that you think you're too big for God. This man humbled himself. And according to church tradition, he became the bishop of Athens. Watch this. Same thing with this lady. Oftentimes when we preach, teach, and we serve, if we don't see a big crowd, we feel that somehow we fail. But I'm here to tell you, nothing you do for God is ever in vain. Listen. Don't worry about the claps or the applause or money, neon lights and all that other stuff. God knows how to reward you for your labor, for your service. You look to him for your reward and your service and not people. Now, most of y'all have heard of D.L. Moody, Moody Bible Institute, Moody Bible radio station and all those things. He was led to Christ by a shoe salesman. We have never heard the name of the shoe salesman that led him to Christ. And what I'm saying is, you might not win hundreds. All you need is one, really. <laughs> one person that you impact can really change the world. You never know the impact that you will have on people. Let me just close by saying this, and I'm done. One of the things God convicted me of this past week, I need to witness more, share my faith more. And stuff and and I chipped my tooth and I went to the dentist's office and had to get a crown on my tooth. A young lady said that she had just moved here from Washington State. So the Lord said, Give her a give her a card. So I pulled out my wallet, I gave her a church card and everything, and told her, you know, you're welcome to come to Rise and Star and everything. I did the same thing to the uh, dental hygienist that takes care of my routine. Uh periodontal treatments for my teeth did the same thing in fact i told her i was the pastor rising star and i showed her the uh, kold she was telling all the friends hey look amos he's a pastor look he won't be on tv <laughs> which was funny but here's the thing and and then this this is the story i want to get to and then this this past week in the office d had ordered some food i believe and the uh with doordash i believe she had ordered some food and a young man brought the food out to the church. We were all talking in the office, and I said, I'll grab the door while I'm standing here. So I went to the door. A young man was there with the food and everything. So I got the food, and he said, uh, this is a Baptist church? I said, yes, a Baptist church. He said, it's a Christian church? I said, yes, a Christian church. And I said, you're welcome to come. And I reached him a while and gave him a card as well. He said, okay, okay, good, good. So he left. A few minutes later, he drove back to the church. And knocked on the door. He said, can you pray for me? Oh. 
And he talked about how his grandmother had talked to him about God and stuff, and he needed to get his life together and stuff. And I'm just saying, just passing that card out to him made him come back, and I hope at some point he will come and be a part of this church. I'm saying that we need to open our mouth and tell people about Christ. Let's go ahead and stand. We need to open our mouth and share our faith with those who do not know him. Quickly to my left, if you're here, you need prayer. Thank you for your patience. We'll be through with this series soon. To my right, if you're here and you want to give your life to Christ or unite with this church family. But I want us to really understand why we're here and what we believe as a church. But we live in a day and time where people don't know much about God, the church, the Bible, anything. So we got to learn how to speak their language in a way that we can connect, connect with them. But, but if you're here, you need special prayer to my left. To my left. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray this message has encouraged your heart and renewed your spirit. If this message has been a blessing to you, please share it with everyone you know. If you would like to help support the ministry, spread the gospel, and assist in funding community service projects at Rising Star, visit our website at www.risingstarbaptist.org.